You tuned in to the Policy Talks podcast by Bharti Institute of Public Policy from the Indian School of Business. We hope to understand the personalities behind policies and demystify the complex policy making labyrinth. Every Tuesday, we speak to seasoned stalwarts and promising young legislative fellows who have made indelible marks in shaping the Indian policy landscape. This is a podcast series by the Bharti Institute of Public Policy at the Indian School of Business. I'm Dr. Arushi Jain, the Policy Director of the Bharti Institute, and I have with me a very eminent guest today, Mr. Amarjit Sinha, the former advisor to the Prime Minister of India, an IS officer of 1983 batch from the Bihar cadre, a person who has been at the helm of affairs when it comes to the social sector reforms and the rural development, as he was the secretary of the Rural Development Department for a long time. Sir, it's a pleasure to have you here at ISP. Thank you, Arushi. Always a pleasure to be at ISP. We will like to uh, you know, begin this conversation today by talking about your rich experience, four decades in service, the first question that I like to pose to you is regarding how civil services has developed over these four decades and how transformation in the services and the outlook of the services has happened in this time. Thank you very much for this question. Having spent four decades in public as a public servant, lot many thoughts come to one's mind from the time when we began. In my own home state, for example, with barely 10% houses having electricity connection, walking to villages in many gram panchayats because roads were not available everywhere. A whole lot of challenges that we all faced. Over the 40 years, and again, this is a trend which I notice, just as 1991 marked a break in India's average rates of economic progress, we broke the chain of what was always referred to as typically the India's rate of growth, the 3.5% to move up to 6 and 7%. 91 is the benchmark from where the watershed where you see the difference. When it comes to social development, we find similar trends emerging 2005-06 onwards. Whether it is poverty reduction, whether it is decline in infant mortality, maternal mortality, and the turn of the century. So to that extent, those of us who had the privilege of being in both the periods, we see the change in our own lifetimes in terms of, and I think nobody described it better than Dr. Sudipto Mandal in a recent piece, where he went back to the village in Palamu in Jharkhand, where he had gone 40 years ago. And he records how things have changed significantly over this period, whether it was housing, whether it was toilets, whether it was roads, whether it was bank accounts of women, whether it was gas connections to households and so on. Yes, income, employment, livelihoods, there are many challenges. While we have been able to get the better of many challenges, and that reflects even in the United Nations development programs, multi-dimensional poverty index, where uh, over the last 15 years in India, 415 million persons came out of multi-dimensional poverty. We still have large numbers. So, as I said, the stage and situation is one of the glass half full and clearly the services do contribute to some of this transformation. 
right right sir so uh, being a practitioner you are also an academician at heart you write regularly for the leading newspapers you have a book to your credit you're coming up with a new book on the last mile and i think that's a very important uh, aspect when we uh, you know talk about public policy and especially the public policy implementation please can you just uh, you know elaborate with some experiences some examples on how do you broadly talk about this last mile delivery no in fact arushib or somebody who had joined the indian administrative service from a spirit of public service i will only say there are no regrets <laughs> because very fortunately i got to serve in the social sectors all my life whether it was in the state or in the central government yeah. more so uh, what we find over time and that's a reason for uh, dabbling in academic work because you know just as doing without thinking is as dangerous as thinking without doing so we need a combination of the practitioner and the researcher and from that perspective you know a job of a civil servant is like the the logo and the motto which uh, is followed by the one of the it companies applying thought wipro's uh, typical motto of applying thought the right. job of a civil servant is to dabble in academic work to look at the findings of research look at evaluations and see which is the best public policy option available to us to achieve certain objectives right. i was particularly fortunate in being a part of the team that designed the sarva shiksha abhiyan the national rural health mission and the changes and innovations in the rural development space with regard to the livelihood mission with regard to the work of the pmgsy the work of the pradhan mantri awas yojana gramin and so on and to top it all i also was very fortunate to have an important uh, role in pushing the pro poor public welfare which was about reaching gas connections through the gram swaraj abhiyan in 2008 i was coordinating that effort and a lot of lessons on how communities local government state government civil society organizations central government the frontline workers panchayats community organizations like women self help groups when everyone pools their social capital together right. fairly important and difficult tasks daunting tasks become possible become easy to implement and as the national family health survey the fifth round results which have come for 2019 to 21 the seven activities that we were trying to reach to every poor household in the 63974 purposefully selected poor villages of the country we find in all those seven activities the gains in the nfhs are very significant electricity has reached the households immunization levels have gone up significantly more than 10% since the last nfhs 4 changes on bank accounts of women the jandan accounts huge huge movement upwards so whole lot of priority activities which we undertook accident insurance life insurance as part of the gram swaraj abhiyan actually reaching those for whom they were intended which only confirms that public policy has to begin by identifying the challenges of the last mile and the reason for this book is to begin from the other end rather than just the theories of public policy try and see what are the kinds of challenges which a diverse nation like ours faces in different parts of it and how best we can develop solutions which address the challenges and as an example for example the gas connections ujwala connections 
I still recall Gram Swaraj Abhiyan, our teams which went to Rajasthan desert areas, mm. came back to say, no, they're finding it very difficult to carry the 18 kg gas cylinder. Because roads are there, but many of the households, there's one household here, another somewhere else. They're all in different dhanis. In yeah. such areas, reaching gas is a difficulty. And the suggestion given at that time was, that why don't we have 5 kg gas cylinders in desert areas. And today that's a reality. On a large scale, the petroleum companies are making smaller gas cylinders. So a lot of the last mile challenge is about understanding challenges of this kind. Say the IT DBT payments. It seems as if you know you press a button and everything happened. It doesn't happen like that. Getting Aadhaar details of every household, linking it to the bank account, the number of foot soldiers needed at the cutting edge level to do this. You may have IT DBT, but if I do not have that community resource person working as a bank sakhi or a banking correspondent in a village, I will not be able to pay a 90-year-old widow almost on the deathbed, her pension on her bed. It's possible today. Technology yeah. allows you that opportunity. But that's only possible if you've invested in frontline workers, community pers resource persons, if you've invested in the last mile, understood the challenges there, because technology is a means. It's not an end in itself. And for it's very important for public policy to realize this. Right, right. No, uh, really well said. I think uh, the entire rural development and the social sector development rests on the stakeholder contribution as such. And basically, I think the stakeholders being the partners for the change. I think that's the approach that you've been uh, absolutely, kind absolutely. Of you know, because about. that's why even in this forthcoming book, there were these three or four hypotheses which one began by by just trying to understand how things were. No, everybody commends the Kerala model of local governments and decentralization. I started studying that carefully and I found that that model was always an accountable decentralization model. Meaning thereby, the provision for neighborhood household groups holding elected representatives responsible was part of the system. The local democracy was vibrant enough to hold elected panchayat leaders accountable to their people through their women's collectives, which is now the Kudumsri groups there. Mm -hmm. So the learning there was that in every state, wherever, and my own home state of Bihar, the Jivika Didis of the self-help groups, any village you went to in Bihar over these years, you'll find if the PDS doesn't work, what do the villagers tell you? Jivika Didi ko de dije ho jayega. Give it to them, they'll manage yeah. this. That confidence in community collectives and social capital. Trust. And the countervailing presence, to the elected panchayats, it improves the overall governance of panchayats. Now, this was one hypothesis which I had built. The second one, which, which I wanted to test through this particular book, and which stands actually uh, completely, you know, collaborate by, confirmed by all the responses which you get from states. The second was in trying to understand in a multi-sectoral frame, why is it that southern Indian states have reported lower levels of poverty than many of the northern Indian states. Yeah. And when you actually start studying the subject, again, what happens is academics many a time is too specialized. Yeah. So the multi-sectorality doesn't reflect in many of the findings and studies. Hmm. I found six things made a difference when it came to the southern Indian states. First and foremost, 
in almost all of them at a different time, much before northern Indian states, the enrollment of adolescent girls in high schools, higher secondary schools and in colleges. Now, this is something which you find in Kerala first, then Tamil Nadu, then Karnataka, Andhra and Telangana. Now, what this does is the direct correlationship between higher adolescent girl participation in higher education with decline in fertility rates. These were the states which reached the replacement level of fertility the fastest. Clearly, adolescent girls going to colleges is a sure short reason for fertility rates to decline. The other thing is when adolescent women go out of homes, cycle together or go out to colleges, for the first time, they have a new identity. They are no one's daughter. Yeah. They are no one's sister. They are no one's mother. They are a woman unto their own. And empowered. That empowered woman, that's yeah. how the self-help group formation in southern Indian states, which we have now emulated across the country on a large scale. Mm -hmm. So the third factor clearly are these SHGs. The fourth, if the women are educated up to high school or higher education, vocational training opportunities or skill opportunities are many. Nursing schools, A&M schools, IT professionals and so on. In some states, in Tamil Nadu and Andhra in particular, some of these facilities were well developed and evolved. Kerala was a little late on the opportunities of vocational training, but nonetheless, they had a white-collar migration out to other states, other parts of the world. So, the, the remittance economies sustained some of those issues. But more importantly, besides these three, the fourth point which is important is maternal and child care. When maternal and child care improves, and which is the case in many of the southern Indian states, their indices for infant mortality, maternal mortality are far superior than the rest of the country. The fifth point, which is equally important, is this issue about not only vocational and skill training. You've trained the woman, she's gone to high school, she's been to a vocational institution, fertility rates are lower. You need to provide credit. Now, easy credit is required for enterprises to grow. Hmm. A very far-reaching decision taken by Dr. Rangarajan as the governor of the RBI 30 years ago, providing for collateral free lending to women's collectives, the self-help groups, that made a difference. The availability of credit, access to higher education, yeah. decline in fertility, the formation of self-help groups, admission to vocational and skill courses and strengthening of health system, primary health care with a focus on maternal and child health. These are the factors which makes a difference. This is exactly what you are trying to emulate. Seven years ago, we had 25 million women as part of the rural livelihood mission. Right. Today, we have 85 million and most of them, states like Bihar, Jharkhand, Orissa, West Bengal, Almost every village now has SHGs like the southern Indian states. My optimism spells from this because women's collectives and social capital does is not merely a credit program. It's not merely a microfinance program. It's a governance transformation. When they are able to hold elected gram panchayat representatives accountable for what they have to deliver, that's where change comes. True. And that's a true transformation in, in that sense. So clearly some of these points is what, because they don't get written about enough. We have books on public policy, which talks about what ought to be done. 
But in terms of analyzing what was done and what was attempted, that's why the third hypothesis which I have pushed in this particular book is about the role of decentralization with regard to education, health, livelihood, nutrition and skills. So the convergence in Absolutely. that way because at the grassroots. The our challenge is that in these sectors, nutrition, for example, doesn't lend itself to narrow departmentalism. I can't look for all the reasons and consequences or efforts coming only through the ICDS. It has to be a broader platform of wider determinants. The same holds true for education. If an under 5, under 6 child is undernourished, there can be irreversible changes to learning. Whatever the teacher does in the school, it will make no difference. So clearly these sectors, education, health, livelihood, skills, nutrition, the way they are, they don't lend themselves to narrow departmentalism. They need a common framework at the local government level, at the accountable level. Now, if I look back, again, the fact that we neglected primary health and primary education in our initial decades of independence is very clear. We had IITs and a few IIMs, but that is not a mass education system. For a mass education system, we were doing very poorly as reflected in the 42nd round, 1986-87 NSSO survey, which found that 69.23% six plus females were never enrolled in a school in rural India till as late as 1986-87. The six plus females of all age groups. That's 40 years. That's right. Even after four decades of freedom, we are still similarly when you look at the health indicators, hmm. infant mortality, you know, just stagnating at about 60 at the turn of the century. Look at uh, maternal mortality ratio, 340, 360 at the turn of the century. Now, that's when, you know, we started the Sarva Shiksha Abhiyan at the turn of the century. The 71st round NSSO data, 2014-15, for the first time it confirmed boys or girls, rural or urban, attendance ratios up to class 8 is the same. So as many boys as girls, in fact, in most of the elementary, government elementary schools, there are more girls than boys because some of the boys have been sent to private schools by yeah. parents as well. Yeah, so overall, uh, you know, but there's a long way to go on outcomes and quality. So clearly, Sarva Shiksha Abhiyan in the National Rural Health Mission, which focused on primary health, there we do see even a slight increase in allocation of resources from a little less than 1% to a little more than 1% GDP, public expenditure on health in India, the indicators started improving significantly. That's why when I said 2005-06 onwards, whether it is decline in infant mortality from 60 to 28, maternal mortality, we are now less than 100, we are at 97. So clearly, even minor changes, decentralized local action, untied funds at institution levels, it makes a difference when it comes to the fan. For this reason, social development, while gains have been there, but today, and that's the fourth hypothesis that I have come up with, saying that what we had been talking about, the constitution has mandated that for us for all times, and that is local governments responsible for 29 sectors in rural areas and 11 sector, 18 sectors in urban areas, as for the 11th and 12th schedule. Time has come when the Accountable local governments are there because of the presence of women's collective self-help groups on large scale. 
you make these community collectives work with elected representatives, you get a more accountable local government. Right. Then along with it, you need the funds, functions and functionaries at that level. So clearly our preparedness for local community action with frontline workers, with uh, the community leaders, with the elected representatives of the panchayats, women's collectives, all these have given us the strength to move much faster on these parameters. So clearly for the years to come, if we follow a route which actually focuses on education, health, livelihood, nutrition, skills at the community level, right. we will have, we can you know, leapfrog many of the development goals that we've set for ourselves. Thank you so much, Mr. Sinha. Such insightful, uh, you know, discussion. I think all the four points that you've just laid down with the examples are truly insightful for our audience today. And uh, we'll get back with a new episode and a new discussion with you shortly. A pleasure.